your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Tuesday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. If you need more hockey news, Locked On NHL, the national show for the network, is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening around the league. You can subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get podcasts. So, have a lot to get to for this episode of the podcast. I was actually supposed to have Josh Yoey on today, but apparently um, he did something to his ankle uh, right before we were about to record. So pretty shitty luck there. Um, we are rescheduling, so it looks like that's going to be later this week. Where I'm gonna, oh, of course, we're going to touch on a whole lot, you know, expansion talk, what he's potentially hearing with Ron Hextall going into the offseason with free agent signings and trades and whatnot. So hoping to get that for you all. Um, as early as tomorrow, but if not then, Thursday or Friday. Um, but for today, though, going to touch on the very stunning buyouts of Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Going to you know angle it in a way for the Penguins, especially because I think Pittsburgh should have interest in someone like Ryan Suter, even though they don't have a lot of cap space right now. Um, I think that they should be in you know that three quarters of the league mark where you know a lot of teams should be going after him because I still think he is a good player. No, Zach Parise. Um, not as much. So, you know, let's just get right into it. Uh, right around, what was it, 11, 11.30, you know, right around lunchtime, you know, we get the stunning announcement that uh, the two faces of the Minnesota Wild have been bought out their last four years of their contract. Um, and, and that's a high ticket. I mean, it's in the next few years, I think that's going to be $14.6 million on their cap, um, especially if you go to a few years from now. It, it is It is a lot of money. And I think this year the Wild are trying to go all in. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move for Jack Eichel. It, it just makes a lot of sense. I think they have the assets to do it. But then the biggest thing is, can you absorb his cap hit for however many years left on his contract? I think it's like six or something like that. I can't remember the last time. I can't excuse me. I can't remember the, his last extension, but I think it's at least five to six more years left on that. Can they absorb that with all that dead? cap that they're going to have to eat and then also um, if Parise and Suter retire before those contracts are up uh, they could face some cap recapture penalties because remember when they signed those contracts it was a completely different CBA than what we have now there are I think there would be some very serious cap recapture penalties if they were to retire before the end of their contracts and you know Parise, I mean, I, I I get that. You know, he's not that good of a player anymore. He's kind of a 13th forward, I think, at this point. Kind of fell out of favor, I thought, this year with the Wild. I mean, I totally see him going um, back to Lula Amarillo with the Islanders. It makes too much sense. I know they're going to be losing a couple people. Um, overall, you know, they're also going to be losing someone in expansion. You know, they, like I said, Nick Letty, I think, is going to get dealt. Um, uh, it's just, you know, Zajac's probably going to walk. I think Paul Mary, I think is going to walk as well. Enter Zach Parise. It, it just makes all the sense. I think even Elliot Friedman confirmed that on the 31 thoughts podcast today. Um, other than that, I really don't know how much interest he'll get. I mean, you can probably get him on a one year, 1.125 million deal or something like that. Maybe one, maybe one and a half million per, um, it's probably it's definitely gonna be less than two million. I mean, he'll just take a one year prove it deal, see if he could potentially be better than he was this past season, and then maybe go cash out a little bit to end his career. Now for Ryan Suter, 
I still think that's a player that has a lot of decent years left. Obviously, he's not as good defensively anymore. Um, but, you know, if you look at Jay Fresh's stuff um, with his analytics, you know, 93 percentile even strength offense, finishing ability 65, 65 percentile, assi- primary assist per 60, 66 percentile, um, his goals per 60 around only around 47%, but his wins above replacement is 58%. So he can drive offense, but you know, but if you go to his defense, 29% town, even strength defense, his power play skills, not that good, 31% in the PK ability. That's really fallen off a cliff as well at 19%. So um, he also, he eats a ton of minutes. You probably don't want him on your top pairing right now, but you know, he's also not that kind of defenseman anymore. If he's playing on your second or third pairing, I think that's good enough. Heck, if I were the Penguins, honestly, I, I, I've had this. I've been thinking about this take a lot today, and, and this, I'm going to say it right now. If I were Pittsburgh, I would potentially look to dangle, you know, one of Pedersen or Matheson, and bring in Ryan Suter here. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. You're already losing Cody CC, and also if they don't think P.O. Joseph is ready, I mean, I disagree with that premise. But with how Ron Hextall has talked about this offseason, it doesn't sound like he thinks he's ready yet. Pittsburgh should be all over going after Ryan Suter on maybe just a two-year deal, you know, three to four million per. I think that makes a lot of sense for a second or third pairing role. You can still do Dumoulin, Latang, Suter with Marino, and then whoever you want on the third pair between Pedersen and Matheson with Chad Rubidal. I mean, I think that's a perfectly fine defensive corpse. I mean, you know, you don't really have any anchors um, on your blue line there or just players that are really bad and taking up a lot of cap pit space that they really shouldn't be. Um, and like I said, that, that's just a competent blue line. And again, Suter still drives offense. You know, his defense has maybe fallen off a bit, but I think he could benefit from a change of scenery and how and with how Pittsburgh plays in the defensive zone with you saw what Cody Cece was able to do in a sheltered role this season for them. I definitely think you could get similar numbers uh, from Suter than what you got from Cece. And, and I will stand by that. Um, as well, though it, it's probably unlikely that Pittsburgh does go out and get Suter. I know Friedman mentioned on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast today that he's heard Vegas is already interested. That makes a lot of sense because remember Alec Martinez is going to be leaving there. He's priced himself out of there. He's going to get a nice contract from somewhere. Um, and they're also he also said Colorado. That makes a lot of sense, especially in the third pairing where they probably want to upgrade. And then Washington, the Capitals, he said, are also believed to be interested. I guess that makes sense because Brian McLellan always just wants to build his team full of old players. I mean, you know, they, they signed every old player in the book uh, during last season. You know, what, what, what's one more? I mean, also Zindano Chara is going to walk and I think they could definitely use a replacement for him. So it definitely makes sense in that regard. And again, taking this back to the Penguins, you know, I, I had a buddy text me today, you know, imagine the Penguins future if they had signed both Suter and Parise during that offseason. Because remember, I mean, the Penguins were one of the main finalists uh, for both Suter and Parise. And of course, you know, they did go to Minnesota for that monster contract. But if the Penguins sign those two players, who knows what happens? I mean, do they even win the Stanley Cup in 2016 and then 2017? Probably not. Do they even get Phil Kessel in a trade? Probably not. Heck, we don't even know if Jim Rutherford would have been hired in 2015 had Parise and Suter signed here. I mean, the whole future of this franchise would have just been flipped 180 degrees. I mean, it just would have been something else. I'm glad, uh, you know, looking back at it that they didn't sign them because those contracts were just 
horrifically long and way too overpaid, I think. You know, I, I always liked Paris Sagan Suter and I did want the Penguins to get them. But when I saw that contract when I was, what, 15, 16 years old, it just, it, it was for far too much for far too long. So that being said, of course, I'm glad that the Penguins were not able to sign them because, I mean, it, it definitely would have altered this franchise's history and I'm sure quite a few ways, but I would probably move heaven and hell to get Ryan Suter here to Pittsburgh. I don't really know how much he'll cost. I, I, I'm making a guess that it'll be around three to four million per. Maybe he asks for a two to three year deal for five million per. I don't think the Penguins can do that just because they're so cap strapped, but I think they could make the room for it if, you know, it's maybe three to three and a half million per four, uh, upwards of four million per at the very most. Um, for probably just, I think, a two-year deal. But I definitely think he is a big upgrade over Patterson and Matheson, especially offensively. You know, And I like what Matheson did in the offensive zone this year. I thought after the first month, he really wasn't a problem. He settled in really nicely. But I think at this point, I would still take Suter for a couple years at whatever cap hit the Penguins give him over Mike Matheson, who makes $4.8 per for the next five years. And I think the same can be said with Marcus Patterson, who has signed for, what, you know, four more years at basically $4 million per. So um, that's where I stand on that. Let me know your thoughts on that. Do you think the Penguins should go after Ryan Suter in free agency? Do you think they should create the cap space available uh, to go after him? And then what do you think of Zach Parise? Do you think Pittsburgh should go after him as well on a cheap deal to fill out their bottom six? Again, I think he's kind of washed. I think there's plenty of other better options within the organization and outside the organization um, than someone like Zach Parise, who was just, like I said, he fell off a cliff this year. But before we get to the next segment, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why should you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their how do you hear, hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, right below prices, all the parts your car ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So there's also something else that I saw today um, from Pierre Lebron on Insider Training. I know a lot of people have connected Chris Dreger, the goaltender from the Florida Panthers, to the Penguins as, you know, some sort of, you know, a 1A, 1B kind of stopgap option uh, for Tristan Jari because, of course, you know, he struggled really badly in the playoffs for Pittsburgh. But according to Lebron, um, he is asking for three and a half million per on his next contract, and that's just a hard pass for the Penguins. I mean, they, they are not going to be paying that. I mean, if they were to do that, that would be over seven million. Because Jari, I think, makes is it three point seven five or is it three point five? I, I actually no, it's three point five. Excuse me. So it would be seven million per for both of those goalies, and and that's just too much. I mean, Jari's not that good right now anyway. Dreger, I mean. If he can give you league average, maybe it's worth it. But you know, can you really rely on him after mainly just, what, one to two good seasons in the league? I mean, I'm not sure I really want to do that. And you're better off just signing someone like Linus Allmark to a multi-year deal or you know, someone like Peter Morozik on a one-year deal or something like that. I think Dreger's going to get 
you know, a three to four year deal for a team that really needs a goalie. And I firmly believe the Penguins are not in that camp where they, they firmly believe they need one. I mean, sure, they could use one. I mean, I, I, I think they firmly need one, but I'm also not going to pay three and a half million per for a one B kind of goalie where my other goaltender also makes three and a half million per. I just, you know, that's the position I want the least amount of cap space allocated to. That that's that's been my biggest um, thing when it comes to building a team, a contender, um, when you have a core in place, you always want the goaltending. Unless you have Andre Vasilevsky, Carey Price, a couple of these others, you know, Henrik Lundqvist in his prime, you always want your goaltending to take up as little cap as possible because you can get league average goaltending for the vet minimum, one to two million per, and that's really all this team needs to get to the playoffs and potentially even win in the playoffs. I know you, your goalie needs to elevate his game a bit in the playoffs. Maybe not to 950 every series, but you know, 925, 930, well above average. But you can still find a goalie that can do that for you around two to two and a half million per. You don't need to go out and pay someone like Dreger uh, three and a half million per. I really wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Florida because the Panthers may try to dump Bobrovsky off um, to another team, even though I think that's Highly unlikely. And then, oh yeah, they do have Spencer Knight coming up as well, who's going to be the starter some point, I think, in the future. It, definitely in their long-term future, but I don't know if it's going to be right away. But I did see that today. wanted to share my thoughts with you all on that. I do not like the option of Dreger with Pittsburgh just because I think it's going to be for too many years um, and with too much money. And I think there's too much interest that could drive up the price even more. And that would just, you know, that would put it way out of the Penguins range. I don't think Ron Hextall is going to go out of his way to do that. But the next thing I do want to discuss is another free agent target that I did see, you know, as well, scoring cap friendly. Um, and that's the case uh, for Kyle Palmieri to potentially join the Penguins this season, 10 goals, 21 points in the 51 games, 30 years old. Also was good for the Islanders, in the playoffs, you know, I remember, you know, I, I touched on this on the podcast so many times in case any of you have not listened to this before. It was so funny because before he got, well, when he got traded to the Islanders, he was just doing so poorly. And then down the stretch with the Islanders, I think had one or two goals in 19 to 20 games. Zajac had no goals and that trade was starting to look like a dud. What do you know? You know, as the playoffs come around, Palmieri just turns into a god and plays like he did the last couple of seasons with the Devils. His possession was good this year, especially when the Islanders in that short, short sample size, excuse me, 17 games, 53.7% Corsi percentage. Um, with the Devils, though, 54.9% overall, 54.5%, so almost 55% uh, for shot attempts while he's on the ice. That goes basically in line for his career, which is around 54, but I mean, he was... Uh, 2020, 55.7% for Corsi, 551 the year before that, 552 in 2018. He's always been around there, and he's always had good underlying numbers in the 19 playoff games, seven goals, nine points in the 19 games. If you go to his uh, natural stat trick and look at how he played in the playoffs, playing on a line with Travis Sajak, but also I think he also spent a lot of time with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, although for Wallstrom was on his line. But I think he just mainly cashed in on his chances, even though the underlying numbers were not that good in the playoffs. Uh, in the 19 games, 44% possession. So, I mean, that's just way off than where it, where it was in the regular season. His expected goals, 48.2%. That's not good. Only 44.4% of the scoring chances at 5v5. High danger also lost that battle as well at 49.3%. But for the actual high danger goals for 9-2. So again, he was finishing 
on his chances, as was his line, even though um, the other numbers were not lining up to that. A lot of that, I think, does have to do um, with some good fortune and luck. But I still think the more likely version of Palmieri you'll see next year is the one you saw in the regular season when he was with the New Jersey Devils. I think he's going to go and try to get a decent cash-out payday. I think there's going to be a bunch of teams lining up to give him a good contract because, I mean, he's been a good player throughout his career. I've honestly always thought that he was pretty underrated. I mean, this was a first-time 30-goal scorer in 2016. Um, Four years after that, 26 goals in 2017, 2018, 24 goals. 27 goals in 2019, and then in 2020 before this year, 25 goals, 45 points in 65 games. He's always averaged over a point per game ever since he really came into the league full-time with the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, he honestly might command $4 million per on a 3 to $4 million deal. I don't think the Penguins are going to be able to pay that. It makes sense if you can plug him into your bottom six. He's a right winger. I think the Penguins will need more of that going into this season, but... I think right now it doesn't make sense for them to sign him. I also could see him going back to the Islanders potentially, but I'm not sure Lou Lamarillo can do that with how cap-strapped his team is. But I think the more likely outcome is that he signs somewhere that can put him in the top six because I don't think... Um, I honestly don't think he's a top six winner on the Penguins team, especially Jake Ensel, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust... Kasperi Kapanen and Jason Zucker as of right now. And if they want to go out and get Tatar to replace over Zucker, um, I would put, put Tatar up there as well. I don't think Paul Mary is better than any of those six players, at least in my opinion. So um, if you're asking me, I don't think it would be wise for Pittsburgh to go after him because I don't think they will be able to, one, be in a bidding war for him. And I don't think they should overpay for a player like that who is 30 years old and he's going to be 31 during next season. I mean, you're going to be paying a player too many years and too much money as he's he's out of his prime, I think, at this point. But I did want to touch on that for this segment. Um, still have a little more to get to for uh, to end the show, excuse me. But before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So just going around the league a little bit more here, Pierre Lebrun reported tonight there's a growing sense that the Predators might leave Matt Duchesne unprotected in the expansion draft. For those that have forgotten, he has five more years on his deal at $8 million per. So that was an awful deal when it was signed, and it still is today. And if I were Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken, I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole. I mean, that was just a god-awful contract. Um, excuse me, from David Poyle. Uh, also, Gabriel Landeskog and the Avalanche, they are not close on an extension. So free agency is coming up pretty quick. I mean, there's two weeks, so they better get on that quick. And no, everyone, the Penguins are not likely to go after Gabriel Landeskog. They would have to move out quite a bit of cap space, I think, to even entertain the thought of paying him because he's going to command at least $8 million per season, if not $9 million per season. I ultimately think he goes back to Colorado, um, but if not... Um, I think he'll have he'll probably want to go to a contender, but again, people, this is not going to happen to Pittsburgh. You know, we're not on hashtag Landis Cog watch here. Um, if if people are with 
that sort of thing. Also looking for other stuff. Pretty sure there was something weird that I saw today. So I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast and Elliot and Jeff, they were suspecting that a Seth Jones deal to Chicago would start with Kirby Doc and and adds a combination of potentially DeBrinket and Boquist, which is just insane to me because if Stan Bowman made that trade, I don't think he lasts the rest of the week in Chicago. So... And I'm not talking about just from being fired. I think his house could be egged by Blackhawks fans. I mean, I, I literally do not think he would last the week, let alone the day even in Chicago. I mean, and, and it's just so funny to see all these people talk about Seth Jones like he's Wayne Gretzky. I mean, I don't really think I've shared my opinion about, you know, if the Penguins should acquire him. I'll be, you probably should know my answer right now, and that is a no. It would cost the Penguins way too many assets, and he's just not that good of a player. I honestly think he's probably one of the more overrated players in the league. He's kind of like a mini Drew Doughty in a way, in the fact that, you know, all the hockey men and the hockey media overrate him, and, you know, he's he's not as good as they think he is. You know, it, like it's the same thing with Seth Jones. Everyone says that, you know, he's this number one defenseman, he's, he's miscast, you don't watch enough of his games, and blah, 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 blah. But if you dig deep and look in his underlying numbers and you watch him play... He honestly, he's just not that good. I mean, and I'm glad that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke are not interested in him. I don't think the Penguins would, one, have the space to do it, and two, even have the assets. And three, um, I don't think Columbus would be trading within the division, especially to a team that they consider one of their biggest rivals. So I I had to throw that out there. And I also think the people that think that the Blue Jackets are going to get this massive haul for Jones, I don't think remember the Eric Carlson trade because... Carlson was probably a top five player in the league when he got traded from Ottawa to San Jose, and they got a horrific package in return for Carlson. If I remember correctly, I don't even think they had a first-round pick in that deal. Actually, let me look that up real quick as I um, finish recording this just right here. So, um, let's see here. Google is being mean to me today. Um, Let's see here. Okay, so... It was, yeah, Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello, the rights to an unsigned Josh Norris. Okay, so they did get a first-round pick, second-round pick, and two additional draft picks. Um, they also got another player. But, I mean, that's that honestly was not even a lot. I mean, Chris Tierney, eh, Dylan DeMello, okay, not bad. Josh Norris, okay, he's definitely a little bit part of their future. First-round pick, okay, but, like, that's still not that much. And people are saying that, Seth Jones is going to get more than that for a player who's not even near at the level that Eric Carlson was at the time when he got traded. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, and I, I apologize for the um, error that I thought that Ottawa did not get a first-round pick. It appears they did. But still, you know, that being said, I just can't see Jones getting a package more than that. I honestly would not even trade a first for him. I think the highest pick I would give for Jones is a second round pick plus a prospect. I think that's as far as I would go into trading for him. I think he's a solid top four defenseman. Is he a top pairing defenseman? Absolutely not. No, I think he's way too overrated and he would bring down your top pair if any team would play him on that. Best be sure of that. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. As always, I appreciate every single one of you supporting and listening to this podcast. We'll have another one of these tomorrow. Hopefully, I will have Josh Yowie on to talk everything Penguins from expansion draft to potential trades to what he's hearing with regards to the Penguins offseason. So I'll let you all know as soon as I know about that, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow.